Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Joe and Maggie, congratulations on your marriage in Christ. As we have prepared for this day, we have spoken about this gift of marriage as a gift. A gift. A gift given by God and one that is instituted and blessed by him in paradise, even before humanity's fall into sin. We reflected on the fact that marriage is God's crowning work at the dawn of creation, where he first formed the woman from man's side, and having brought her to him as a gift, Adam sang that very first love song, at last bone of my bone. And flesh of my flesh. This was the answer to God's own observation that it was not good, not good, that the man should be alone. So now with Eve, his wife, he had someone to give himself to completely. Loving as God loves, bearing the image of God and reflecting that love in marriage and in family, and in church. So again, what we should all ponder today and know in our hearts is that marriage is God's gift. And it is for that reason that we call it the estate of marriage, or the institution of marriage. What's implied by those words is that Joe and Maggie are not entering a mere social contract to be entered into or dissolved at will. Instead, God is bringing them into his work and his will, into a union that he himself has created and that he himself sustains and sanctifies by his word of grace. What is marriage? Marriage is the one flesh union established by God between a man and a woman. It is for the procreation of children when God wills it. It is for the help and support given and received by each of them, both in prosperity and adversity. And in this institution, in this holy estate, the man and woman are to love, honor, and be faithful to each other until death parts them. Furthermore, marriage ultimately is a reflection of the union between God and man and the sacrificial love that Christ has for his church. That's what marriage is. That's what marriage always will be, no matter what the world says. And so may God strengthen our faith and fortify our marriages, our families, and our homes, that we would bear cheerful witness to this gift, of marriage, and seek forgiveness when we all fall short. Because let's be honest, in these gray and latter days, words like marriage have taken on strange meanings. In Alice in Wonderland, Humpty Dumpty says in a scornful tone, when I use a word, it means just what I choose it to mean. And Alice, she interjects, 
But the question is whether you can make words mean so many different things, she says. In our Humpty Dumpty Alice in Wonderland world, we Christians, we have the privilege and we have the fun of being the gatekeepers of language. To cheerfully say what a thing is and what a thing isn't, to the glory and praise of God. There's a guy named Matt Walsh, one of our cultural commentators, who just produced a little documentary, at the same time comical and deeply disturbing, asking the question, what is a woman? All of the professors, the smart ones, in the Ivy Leagues couldn't say a thing about it, nor what a man is, for that matter, nor marriage. But when Matt Walsh, when he visited the Maasai tribe in East Africa, they all shook their heads and they laughed. Needless to say, they were not so easily confused. Voltaire is famous for saying, if you wish to converse with me, first define your terms. God's word teaches us precisely what a woman is. God teaches us precisely what a man is. Man was created to bear God's image in the world as husband and father. Man's authority comes from God himself, as he acts in God's place in marriage and in family, and especially in the teaching of the word of God in his home. A man is to love his wife as Christ loved the church, and gave himself up for her. What is a woman? Well, we can answer that. A woman, according to God's word, in Genesis 1 and 2, that's the one whom God created to be man's vice-regent and helpmeet in bearing God's image in the world as wife and mother. Her authority comes through her husband as she receives love from him and acts in his place within the family, like a royal queen, and in the raising of children, that they too may glorify and honor God. She submits to him, her husband, as the church submits to Christ. But while non-Christians hear that as oppressive, a Christian wife, she sees happiness and joy in that. She's submitting, after all, to the love of her husband, She's submitting, after all, to a man who's vowed to be Christ-like for her, to be gentle and kind, loving her and guiding her, forgiving her as Christ does for his church. Joe and Maggie, those vows that you've made this morning, you've got no ability whatsoever in and of yourselves to carry them out. That is why the Christian marriage, your marriage, depends only on the grace and mercy of God. Because there is only one, ultimately, who has been faithful to his bride, the church. There's only one who has loved and cherished her perfectly, with a love that even death itself could not destroy. On the cross, he died for her. 
and he rose to set her free. You see, when God became man, it was the perfect marriage. The perfect marriage of divinity and humanity in the person of Jesus Christ. On the cross, this new man, like Adam, he too slept. And in the sleep of death, the centurion pierced his side, his rib, and out came water, and out came blood. The very means by which the church finds her life in baptism and in the Lord's Supper. Of all the ways our Lord may have spoken to us about heaven and what heaven is like, he says it's like a wedding. Notice he doesn't say it's like a Super Bowl party or Fourth of July celebration or anything like that. No, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast. St. John, as he beheld the beatific vision, saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. The prophet Isaiah described heaven as a wedding too, as God marrying his people Israel. And on this mountain, at this wedding, the Lord Almighty, he prepares a feast of rich food for all people, a banquet of aged wine and the best of meat and the finest of wine. So how interesting that when our Lord shows up, his first miracle, well, it's just got to be a wedding, changing water into wine. We're not told anything about that couple, that bride and groom at the wedding at Cana, Jesus' first miracle. That bride and groom, they're strangely anonymous, but it's for good reason, because the bride, well, that's all mankind, his Christians. And the groom, well, that's the Lord. He's coming, after all, to marry his bride, the church, to consummate this marital union on the cross, faithful in his vow all the way to set us free. By the waters of baptism, we're joined to the death and resurrection of him who has loved us. And in that marital supper, we become one with him, sharing in his body, sharing in his blood, the perfect marriage, sharing in his perfect and divine life within the love of the Holy Trinity. To Joe and Maggie, congratulations on entering into this gift, this holy estate of marriage. May you ever never tire of pondering the mystery of Christ and his great love for you. Marriage is simultaneously a station of the cross and also a miniature little paradise. Within that cross is death to self, sacrificial living, and the joy of the forgiveness of sins. And in, within this little paradise, within the love of a husband and wife, is a picture of paradise, communion with God, and the blessed life of the world to come. That's what we celebrate today. 
Finally, I'd like to point out that at that wedding at Cana, that anonymous bride and groom, they were so wise to have Jesus on the guest list. May God lead you both, Joe and Maggie, to do the very same and to keep the Lord Jesus always on your guest list as a constant guest in your hearts and in your homes, to keep Christ as a guest always in your bedroom and at the kitchen table, in your conversation and in the lives of your children that God may give you, that all your lives will be filled with adoration and praise as you look forward to the resurrection, the life of the world to come, and the eternal wedding feast between Christ and his bride, the church. In the name of Jesus, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.